Good morning, everyone, in these very unusual global circumstances. I, I, I welcome you if you're joining us for the first time in London Family Center, and welcome to those of you who join us every week. We love you, and we care about you, and at this time, all over the world, I'm sure the, the, the news you have been following as well as we have. As Pastor Timothy shared, we will no longer be meeting on Sunday until the government relaxes some of the laws and the restrictions surrounding uh, public gatherings, etc., etc. Some of our people have, are not well, not many, thank God, and they've chosen just to self-isolate just in case they may have the virus. But stay strong, stay praying. Yesterday I was sharing that isolation is nothing strange to the, in the kingdom of God, the children of Israel were isolated many, many times, cast out from Jerusalem, cast out from their own land. Uh, the prophets in history also, the same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me for coughing. I cough all the time, okay? The prophets also were cast out, most of them, if not all of them, uh, for preaching the word of God and bringing his word to the nations. And Jesus himself chose isolation many, many, many times to draw close to the Father. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus advises you and I that occasionally we should choose isolation. He says, go into your room, close the door, and seek your Father in secret. So I encourage you in these challenging weeks and months ahead that you do exactly that. Take advantage of this time to seek your heavenly Father, go into your secret place and pray and seek His face. And I pray through this that your prayer life, your relationship with Jesus will be utterly transformed and what the devil intended for harm will be turned for good. All things will work together for good for those who love the Lord. And I pray that upon your family, your home, wherever you are. If you're watching us live on Facebook, can I ask you to go live yourself or to share this video right now? Share it live, put it on your own page so that we can get out to the nations and share the good news of the gospel. So number one, in these weeks ahead, I want you to pray. Number two, I want you to evangelize. Yesterday I was sharing that I live in a large apartment block in London city center. And, and many of the people, they don't like talking to anybody. They, when you pass them in the corridors, they put their heads down like this. And you can say, good morning. They're not interested. And, but two of those people who I've repeatedly greeted, and they have repeatedly ignored me, two of those people stopped me this week. In fact, one of them came over to our apartment. And she's a lecturer in UCL. And she was saying, are you okay? What's happening? So... The door is open, maybe in a way that it has not been previously for us to share the gospel, to communicate our faith. So number one, I want you to pray. Number two, I want you to evangelize and approach evangelism with a fresh perspective. Thirdly, I'm asking you to gather as families. So if you're in your house right now and dad's upstairs or he's doing the garden or he's cooking the chicken, I want you to go and get him and bring him into the room. I want us to worship as families and worship together, okay? Thank you for joining us. Let's pray as we begin to look at God's Word this morning. Father, we gather together as your people around the nations, and we thank you. We accept whatever the circumstances is. As the Apostle Paul said, in good times and bad, for richer or for poorer, I will seek to praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord at all times. 
And even in this time of great hardship and fear for so many people, we pray that the anchor of our salvation, the focus of our faith, will submerge all of this news, that it will take the place of this news. Father, let your name be proclaimed. And we do proclaim your name, the name of Jesus, above COVID-19, above every virus, above every sickness. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord in my family. Jesus Christ is Lord of my nation. Jesus Christ is Lord of my government. Lord, we proclaim, we state, we speak out your name. And I invite you in your homes Pray right now. Fathers, lift your voice. Lift your voices. Let me hear you pray. Come on. Pray out to God. Cover your family. Cover your children. Cover your wives. Wives, cover your husbands. Let's lift our homes. Lift our neighborhoods. If you're a regional leader, lift your region. Praise you, God. Father, we lift. And indeed, the churches in the UK. We lift our churches across this nation and around the world. Father, we also have a special concern for Italy when we see the enormity of the impact there. And we pray for these dear people locked up for, for so many weeks, many of them on such a high death toll. We pray for China that you will bring them fully out of this virus and cleanse that land. Lord, for America that you will be with them, for the continent of Africa that you will protect them from this onslaught, for Asia God, for all the nations of the world, we commit them to you. <coughs> In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a cough. Okay, so don't laugh. <laughs> I feel terrible when I'm coughing in the midst of this situation. I've been coughing for 20 years, so it's got nothing to do with the virus. Um, gosh, about 20 years ago, I was out for a walk one day. And I was just in deep meditation and conversation to God. I had written a couple of books on end times. But I, I, a thought came to me. I can't, I can't even describe it. You know when you have a moment of intimacy if you're married with your husband or wife? And you, you've got a really deep, you know, profound moment. For me, this was like that. This was really personal between me and God. That he wanted to, to nudge me and, 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 and wanted me to produce almost like a list, a bit like the Our Father, which is a list, wanted me to, to consider this question. If it is the end of the world, and I believe it is, how should we live? It's a simple question. But having studied end times for so long, the question kind of shocked me because e e even with the extensive knowledge I had on the subject, I realized if you asked me just off the cuff, with no warning, to write down the list of things that God told me to do, and to be, those two words, to do and to be, in the finishing times of history, I could only get about two or three. Now, if that's me, God help the average layperson who hasn't devoted the time and study. And, and I realized, you know, how much in poverty I was about obeying the advice of Christ in the last days. There are 26 parables in the New Testament, and 16 of them Jesus devoted to advice to those who live in the closing of time. 16 of the stories he told. Out of 26, he devoted to give us specific advice because such was the trauma 
that was going to come upon the earth. Such was the trials and the trains and the pains, the persecutions. It was going to be so intense in the future that he got it written down in the word. I want this generation that lives in these days to be aware of what's coming upon the earth. And I want to talk to you about that today. I'm going to read to you. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The Apostle Peter considers this same question. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. <coughs> Peter's thinking like I was thinking. How should we live? 2 Peter 3.10. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the day, uh, with, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So many things happened in one day last week, didn't they? So many changes in one day. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and the happenings of a thousand years can happen in one day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's you coming to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, just when they're not expecting it. We had so many plans for this year. We had Easter camp. We've got events. Pastor Janet had a wind meeting coming up in just a couple of weeks' time. So many plans we had. Huh? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief when you least expect it, right? The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And verse 11 was my key verse for such a long time in my study. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. Hallelujah. Since everything is going to be destroyed, what kind of people should we be? And I want to pause this morning, ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself this incredibly deep and important and searching question from the Apostle Peter himself. How should I live then? What is the advice of Jesus and his apostles, his founding apostles here? What do they tell me? So I took time out and I studied. I actually ended up with about 16 specific points that Scripture gives us in, in light of the fact that the world is ending. 16 specific points to the end times church. The first one may sound a little bit obvious. <laughs> Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 1, he talks about, Yet to all those who did receive him, all those who were born again, to those who believed in his name, he gave them right, the right to become the children of God. Listen to this. Children not born of natural descent. Children not born because of a husband's decision or a husband's will. In other words, the will of men. I want, please listen to me guys, because I travel all over the world and I, I visit churches and it scares the life out of me when I see church goers. Because I believe many people go to church and they think it means they're Christians or they're in some way eternally secure. And that is not what scripture teaches. The Bible says, Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again. And you can go, you see what he says is, is absolutely right. Those not... Children not born of natural descent. So if I come from a church-going family, and my family, this is natural descent, 
and my family go to church. That's the kind of upbringing I had. And I go to church every week. I can be deluded into thinking that that makes me right with God. Children not born of natural descent or of a husband's decision. Have you got any idea the number of men who are in church because of their wives? Because the wives, okay, let's move on. The wives drag them to church on Sunday. You can be in church because of someone else's decision, someone else's fervor and fire. People are in church for a multitude of reasons. But friends, I tell you, at the end, at the end of time, when this life winds up, it's not going to be that person who can save you. And you're not going to face that person. The only person who, the, whose decision matters in regards to salvation is the, is the opinion and decision of God for me. Not what people around me think. It's what God thinks of me. People may tell you, oh yes, you're born again, you're saved. And there's a degree of comfort I take from that. But I tell you this, it, 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 it measures nothing in comparison to the decision of Scripture. And to the guidelines of Scripture about how I get saved, the criteria for being saved, listen carefully, and the criteria for staying saved, for remaining saved. Scripture has much to say on this. I want to get those guidelines not from some wonky pastor, not from friends who love me and want to encourage me. I want to get those guidelines from the only one whose opinion really matters, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says to me, you must be born again. And when I give you that gift of salvation, you had best care for it and keep it. So I challenge you. I don't do it to hurt you or harm you or to put doubt into your mind. I challenge you, are you saved? Are you truly saved? Or are you a church goer? Some time ago, I, I, <coughs> I shared this example. I think God wanted me to see something. I was preaching in Dublin. And... I just, I was on the front row, I was a visiting minister, and I just, I just leaned over, I looked down the row, and there was this woman standing there, I don't know anybody, she looked like a leader, because she's with the leaders, and she's clapping, and she's bobbing around at the front, I mean, for all the world, this woman, not to, she doesn't look, just look saved, she looks Pentecostal saved, and God spoke to me, that, you know, that she's not saved, go and talk with her, and witness to her, and I just, I'm in the middle of worship, not saved. Well, she looks saved to me. She looks saved to me. So I just got on with it. I preached my message and I got distracted and I was talking to people. And that very woman came to me to ask some question. And then I felt convicted. I needed to address her with the word I had. And I began to say to her, can I ask you like a personal question? Are you a born again Christian? And her answer, I believe, was what God wanted me to see. And she was greatly affronted that I should even ask her that. And the first challenge she threw back at me is, do you know my mother? It's funny, you know, do, I, I, you know I don't know your mother. I haven't got a clue about your mother. I, I, and I started to say, I, I just want a, a straight answer to a straight question. Are you born again? And her mind went into overdrive. Have you got any idea what my mother did? We founded this church myself and my mother. Those born not of an, of another father's decision or a mother's decision or who brings you. How true is scripture? How true is scripture? When I pushed and prodded and I was hoping I was wrong, I gave that moment, that woman, multiple opportunities to mention the one name, the only name that is of any importance. And it's not your mother. Praise God. Happy Mother's Day. It's not your mother. It's Jesus. But she did not fall back on Christ 
And I tell you, I, I learned a lesson that day. Jesus alludes to this various times about how people can hide in churches. And you can hide in a church until Christ comes back. You can be invisible in the crowd today, but I promise you that, you know, invisible man cloak is going to become undone because Christ's eyes can see your spirit and your soul. Jesus told the story of a wedding banquet in Matthew chapter 22. Listen to this. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. This is the father for the son bringing in the saved. He sent his servants to those who had been invited. All the apostles, the preachers, evangelists all over the years come to Christ. But many of them refuse to come. And you know the story. They go out and they go out and they go out again and again. And then in verse 11 it says this. But when the king arrived, the second coming. When the king arrived, he came in to see those who were in church. <laughs> to see the guests. And he noticed a man in the crowd who wasn't wearing wedding clothes, and he asked, how did this guy get in here? Throw him out, bind him hand and foot, and throw him into eternal darkness. Now, my point is, no one else realized that this guy didn't belong in there. So he was welcome in the church, he was welcome in the fellowship, he was recognized by all, but he was not recognized by the only one that ultimately matters. And my fear for our churches is there are many in our churches like this who get the, the, the approval and the commendation of the fellowship, but yet can be distant from God himself. So I ask you, first and foremost, are you born again? Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. So you must, salvation is very simple, really. Repent of your sin believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. Get yourself baptized in water. This is your testimony to the world. And then receive the Holy Spirit into your life. That's what empowers you and keeps you, certainly in days like this. Are you saved? Are you born again? Secondly, my advice, and I believe Scripture's advice, and I, I can show you Scripture's uh, for each of these in detail, is that you need to tell your family. I ask you to consider your family now. Uh, when did you last tell your family about Jesus Christ? That's my first responsibility. Many can, you know, preach in churches, etc., or, or go out on the street and evangelize. But their own homes, their own kith and kin, Statistics tell us for the first two years, people talk to their families, and then the graph begins to drastically drop. We feel we're not breaking through, and then we leave them, and there's almost like a, a long silence that could be 10 years. And I pray that at this moment, and I want you to listen to me here, at this moment, seize the moment, the Kairos moment, to speak again that gospel that you spoke those years ago to your family. Seize this moment and tell them again about Jesus. You know, when the tower fell, so many people messaging me from around the world because they're seeing the TV for London. They're seeing the panic in London and they said, oh, are you okay? We've saw what's on the news. And I'm sure you've had similar messages, but I want you to deal with that message, that, 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 that um, question, biblically. 
so when the tower fell, remember the tower fell, all the people were killed. And they turned to Jesus and said, why did those people die? What happened to those people? Look at this terrible situation in London. Why did this happen then? And Jesus turns the question straight back onto the people asking the question. He said, never mind them. What about you? What about you? So when your family message you, email you, call you, are you okay? You say, I'm fine. <laughs> what about you? What about you? Jesus, I think, handles this remarkably well. It's a real insight. Each of your family need to be thinking about themselves. And it's a moment where you can restate your faith, proclaim your faith again to your family members. And I pray that through these months, God is really in his sovereign will. We have a little moment in history, perhaps, where you're going to speak to family members you haven't spoken to for years. Simply because of the, the global crisis, at least for these weeks or months, people are coming together. Who knows what's going to happen in times to come. But at this moment, people are open and they're willing to talk. So I advise you seize that moment and talk to them. Number one, get saved. Number two, t tell your family. And number three, very important, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says this, I am warning you, in the last moments, false teachers will many false prophets will arise. Now, I'm very active on Facebook. We have so many followers there that send me loads of stuff. And I, I've seen, I think every crackpot has come out of the woodwork to prophesy about. I'm not even going to repeat some of the stuff. It's absolutely laughable. Um, but guys, you know what? Do you know what this is, this moment in time? This is an opportune moment. It's an opportune moment. When, when Satan confronted Jesus after his 40 days fasting, remember? What does it say? And Satan left Jesus until an opportune moment, until he got a moment of weakness. And if you follow through, that was in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember? Uh, or just before Gethsemane, when Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and Peter came, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. This was the opportune moment. It was a moment of weakness. And in the world at the moment, I think people are in fear. And it's an opportune moment for the devil to put confusion and distraction into people's minds. So I ask you, don't listen to false prophets. Don't listen to crazy prophecies and a lot of stuff that's knocking around out there. Stay under the, the, the covering and the oversight that God has given you. And don't follow these people. It says they will be prolific. There will be many, not just false prophets, but false Christs. So number one, make sure you're saved. Tell your family, watch out for false teachers. <coughs> and fourthly, I don't want you to be idle. I, I don't know where people are this morning. I got a text message. Don't laugh, but I got a text message this morning from someone who was going to stay in bed. <laughs> because there's no church. There's no church, you see. So they don't have to go to church. But I had to ask them a question. So I sent, them, I sent them a text. And they texted back and said, you know, it's a good job you've texted me because actually I was going to stay in bed. So what we do at this moment for me is critical. What, what are you going to do now in this closing moment? In Matthew chapter 20, the wonderful parable of the laborers in the vineyard 
T tells us about the different eras, the different stages in history. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out at about the third hour, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and about the ninth hour, and he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others still idle. And there is the word that repeats itself, idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us, because we weren't going to be paid. That's what they, that was their answer. Because no one gave us money to go and work in the kingdom, therefore we didn't do anything. See their, see their mindset. Jesus is giving a description of the end times church here. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. It, he speaks of the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. And how God the Father sent workers out in the third hour, that's the patriarchs. He sent workers out in the sixth hour, that's the judges and the kings. He sent workers out in the ninth hour, that's the prophets and the apostles. So we have been preceded by our forefathers in each of these generations and ages who were sent by God out to do the work in the harvest field. My point is, in the last moment, in the 11th hour, in the parable Jesus teaches, when he comes to the end times church, they want money. That's their answer. It's an astonishing answer. We, we're not going to share the gospel, number one, because isn't that only paid staff, ordained staff, full-time staff? Isn't that the only people who do this? This is not for us. That's for other people. What a deception. What a deception. End times deception here. We as a church believe in the priesthood of all believers. And Christ is calling you. And he turns to these people. To be honest, I feel great pity in him. Because they have been deceived. They have been deceived into thinking almost there's, there's two levels of Christian or two types of Christian. And I'm a lower level. I can't share like other people. And I want to break that deception off you in Jesus' name. Go and work in the vineyard. Go and serve your father. Go and preach the gospel. Go to your family. Go to your workplace. Go to your neighbors. Amen. And don't worry about any title or position or, or finance or anything else. This is a very sad scripture, to be honest. It's a, it's a scripture that ends well because he commissions them and sends everyone out, sends you out and sends me out. Fifthly, I would say to you, in these last days, one of the warnings of scripture is that we should make sure that we are spirit-filled. <coughs> As I said in the beginning, 26 parables... But 16 relate to the end times, and the parable of, of the ten virgins most certainly relates to the end times. This refers to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is Jesus Christ coming back for his church. And when he comes back for his church, no less than 50%, that's half of the body of Christ. I didn't write the story, Jesus did. Half of the, of the body of Christ, in the very moment of his return are doing what? Sleeping. They are sleeping. Now, I want, I want you to remember something here. In Song of Songs, the, the bridegroom comes for the bride, remember? 
What, what is the bride? The, the bridegroom comes to the bride. Listen to this. You know what this is? Fires in Australia. Locusts in Africa. COVID-19. The knocking in Song of Songs is Christ shaking the world, saying, Hello, wakey, wakey. But the bride in Song of Songs remained asleep and was left behind. And the groom went, remember? And then that bride went, that's a long story. But it's the same story in, in the New Testament. In fact, in Gethsemane, in the very moment when Jesus needed his apostles with him, what were they doing? Sleeping. And here you have Song of Songs. So in case you missed it in Song of Songs, in case you missed it in Gethsemane, Jesus gives it for the third time with the ten virgins saying, look how half of my church at the Kairos moment has fallen fast asleep. And I, I pray for you, I pray for myself that I will remain awake in Jesus' name through this time. The, the, I mean, there's a, it's, it's, it's not exaggerating to call it a spirit of slumber, you know? Slumber means you, it's, it, slumber doesn't mean you're asleep. Slumbering is not sleep, it's a different word. Sleep is sleep. But slumbering is when you're awake, but you're doing nothing. That's what slumber is. And they're described as idle in this parable, idle in the parable of the laborers, and asleep five foolish virgins for me this the most terrifying parable in the whole of scripture is the parable of the ten virgins and it's only not scary to people who don't get it you, you, you don't you don't believe it you're reading it but you don't believe it i believe it i believe that's probably very indicative of the church today wake up guys amen wake up stay awake Awake, awake, awake. Number six, I would say to you, please, if you're not already a watcher, become a watcher. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said to the end times church, be sure that you watch and pray. And many years ago, once I began to study end times, I changed, I changed my interests. I had no interest in ecology or politics or Israel or anything else. But I realized my flaw once I got into this topic, this whole subject of eschatology. It changed my mind. And I realized that because many Christians pray and they don't know what to pray for. That's why I get text messages asking me for prayer lists. <laughs> Who needs a prayer list? I mean, heavens above. There's a mountain of things to pray. A mountain of things to pray for. If you are watching Israel, you've already got a lot to pray for. If you're watching politics and economies around the world, you already are overwhelmed with prayer things. You don't need to ask someone what to pray about. You don't have something to pray about because you're not watching. That's the problem. If you were watching with prophetic eyes, your spirit would be overloaded with what to pray for. And I want to say to you, if you've never been a watcher, and by that I mean those who prophetically watch for the second coming of Christ, that which I'm called to do, Watch the nations, watch the politicians, watch the European Union, watch Israel, right? And then come to pray. Watch first, pray second, because you will never have to seek something to pray about. You will be in the spirit on that issue. Seventhly, in James, James' little book, which is a fantastic little book, he gives this warning. It's a very hard warning. Because it's a woe, and there's not that many woes in the Bible, but this is one of them. 
Woe to you if you become a hoarder in the last days. If you start to get stuff into your freezer <laughs> and your fridge and your toilet, <laughs> woe to you who become a hoarder. That's the word that's used. Those of you who, who, who hoard in the last days. All around this world, supermarkets are packed and people are going just a little bit frenzied and crazy to get as much stuff into their house as they can get. And scriptures are, woe to you. Uh, now listen to me, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that will come upon you. Your wealth has rotted and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. In the last days. I was praying about this just a few days ago and I really felt, you know, uh, we, we have a tiny little freezer in the house. But I, I really felt God say, don't get a bigger freezer, get bigger faith. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't get a bigger freezer. Get bigger faith. Don't build a bigger barn. Build bigger faith. It's your faith you need. Amen? It's your faith you need. Lastly, I'm going to finish with this. What should we do in light of the fact that this world is winding up? Make sure that you personally are saved. I'm asking you to tell your family again. Be careful of false teachers and false prophets. They're going to proliferate around the world. Don't be idle in terms of the kingdom. You may be busy in terms of life, but idle in terms of the kingdom. Be spirit-filled. If you've never been a watcher, I, I ask you to become a watcher because Jesus said you should watch and pray. Don't hoard wealth. And lastly, back to one of the foundational scriptures, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, where Jesus commissions, I believe, he offers you a commission to go out and share the gospel in these last days. If you remember in that parable, there was a little denarius, and that's what's mentioned. Jesus paid each person a denarius, and in that closing, the closing hour, the 11th hour, he comes and he finds people maybe like you and like me, and he says to them, I want you also to go and to share this gospel and to build this kingdom. Now, forgive me if you've heard this testimony before, I don't even know how to put it. Never, this is a one-off thing. This has never, ha this only happened to me one time. And I have preached I, thousands of times. It's the passion of my life. But only one time can I honestly say that Jesus himself came to, you know, knock my door and support me in what I was about to say. Carrigeden Bible College in Dublin, I see some people watching us in Dublin this morning. So I'm upstairs. I'm preparing my message on the parable. I changed the message for that closing event that night. It was a conference. And I'm in my bedroom. And those of you who know Carrigeden, there's a pebble beach outside. And I thought there's bound to be a pe I wanted a denarius was a little stone with the emperor's head on it. And I wanted just to go down to all those people downstairs and offer them a stone. That's all I wanted, an, an example. So I wrecked my bedroom looking for a, a stone, thinking there's bound to be one here from previous people who stayed in the Bible college. No, nothing. 
So I said, okay, it doesn't matter. I won't use an example. And some time went by, and one of the leaders in our church in Dublin came up to my room, knocked my door, and when I opened the door, he's standing there with a little stone in his hand with a bright red face because he feels so stupid and so embarrassed. And he's just saying, hello, Pastor Mike. I was walking on the beach, you know, and I, I just heard the voice of God to say that you needed a little stone. So here you are. And he walked off with his, I was speechless, totally speechless. You know, as I say, you preach every Sunday, you preach all your life. But God never gave me an example. So what was so special about this end times army? What was so special about me and you that have been chosen with great selection, trusted to live at this moment? May God forgive us if we're idle. And I want you to accept the commission. Take it from me. Okay? Take it from me. Be commissioned into the kingdom. Go and spread the gospel. Go and spread the good news in these closing times. The Jews waited for Jesus for thousands of years. And when he came, they missed him. And we also have, many of you I know well, you've walked these years close to Christ. And at this moment, I don't want you to fall asleep. And I don't want you to miss your Kairos moment. But use these days to spread the gospel and to share your faith. God bless you. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Timothy, who's going to close in prayer and maybe give us uh, some guidelines for this week. Thank Thank you, Pastor Mike. What a challenging and thought-provoking message to all of us. Indeed, we are living in a serious time and a challenging time. And may I encourage you to draw yourself closer to God, and he will draw himself closer to you. And not only draw yourself to Jesus, but also speak to your friends and your neighbors, your families, those who are not saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for a timely message. May we not just be a hearer of your words, but may we be a doer of your word. We thank you, Jesus. We pray that, Lord, you will bless everyone who is watching live listening to these messages. We pray that, Lord, you will speak to each one of us. Bring change in our lives. Bring change in, change in our lives. May you help us to draw ourselves closer to you, Lord, during these times, and also to be a witness to the others, those who are not saved. We thank you, Jesus. We pray that, Lord, you will bless each one of us. We also especially want to pray for all the mothers as we celebrate Mother's Day today. We pray that, Lord, you bless every mother. We thank you for all the mothers that we have in our lives. Without mothers, we wouldn't be here today. So we appreciate you, Father, for all the mothers, wherever they are. We pray that, Lord, you bless them, protect them, provide them, give them wisdom and knowledge. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, as we um, end our service here, we pray that, Lord, may you continue to be with us. May you protect us, provide us, and may you give us wisdom and knowledge to deal with the situation that we are facing and we are going through. And we know that you will help us because you are a faithful God. We thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give our, let's give our clap offering to Jesus. Thank you for joining us live, and we will be doing the same 
Until further notice, please pay attention to all our announcements throughout the week on the WhatsApp groups, our men and the ladies, and also the church leaders groups. Please pay attention to it. And again, God bless you. Have a wonderful time. I know it's, we may not be able to have a wonderful time. However, try your best to create an atmosphere. Try your best to create a presence of God in your house. God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.